Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. These panels have been made possible thanks to Double Exposure and their game design convention Metatopia at Metatopia Online 2020. These panels have also been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and moderators at this event. Now, let's get to it. Episode 329, Writing One-Page Games. Presented by Grant Howitt, Matt Jones, Alexi Sargent, Gian Shim, and Jason Tossi. everyone. Hello Metatopia. It's wonderful to be here. I'm Grant Hout, and I've gathered together a panel of like-minded individuals to talk about one-page role-playing games. I, I've i written quite a few role, one-page role-playing games. Some might say too many. Uh, doing one a month has caused some issues, but that's okay. Um, games such as Honey Heist, Crash Pandas, uh, The Witch is Dead, and of course, Jason Statham's Big Vacation. Um, and what I'd like to do is take your questions and some questions which I come up with in my brain as one of the people we've all gonna we're all gonna talk about writing one page games because it pre- it prevents it pre- presents a unique challenge and it's something which I think is a really excellent first step or I guess in my case 50th step in becoming a role-playing game designer. Uh, but I'd like to first introduce my panel. So I am joined by Alexi Sargent, Jason Touching, Matt Jones and Gion Shin. So first off, Matt you have 20 seconds to introduce yourself. Go! Hi there, my name is Matt Jones. I uh, release micro RPGs and one pages uh, under the name Ursa Dice. You can find me on Twitter as at Ursa Dice and all of the other places like that. You may have seen Supernormal, Clumsy, Heroic, Adorable, Anti-Capitalist, Penguins versus Business Goose's Ivory Tower, Scream the Horror, Jump the Shark, and a whole host of other nonsense games that I've made. I'm actually oh. really looking forward to just hearing everyone's incredible views today because I feel dwarfed by incredible <laughs> minds. <laughs> And with a second to spare, uh, let's go for Gion. 20 seconds, go! Hi, my name is Gion Shim. Uh, I have she, her, they, them pronouns. I've been a game designer since I won the Independent Game Designer Network Scholarship in 2017 for, in fact, Metatopia. Uh, My games have been on the Nebula Awards reading list. Um, I was the keynote speaker for Big Bad Con in 2019. And recently, I kickstarted uh, Wait For Me, which is a journaling game about time traveling through your own personal history. Um, I've read many independents. Thank you. Oh, um, I, I love that, that you read it and played it. It's, it's um, good, but that was the 20 seconds. We'll talk about how great you are later. Next up, we have Alexi Sargent. Go! Hey, I'm Alexi Sargent. I design and publish tabletop role-playing games under the handle Cloven Pine Games, largely through a storefront on itch.io. Uh, my one-page game, Secret Science Sewer Siblings, was nominated for or an any for Best Free Game. And my one-page game, The Great Soul Train Robbery, was nominated for uh, an Indie Groundbreaker Award for Best Rules. So I'm uh, really pumped to be here talking about one-page role-playing Stop games. Talking. You can carry on talking a little bit. That's great. Did, did, didn't you win the Annie for um, Tina, uh, Sewer Siblings? No, uh, no, it was a it was a nominee, uh, okay. but uh, the, the Annie went to a um, a wonderful safety toolkit, oh, yes, and yes. I, I can't I can't be upset about <laughs> losing to a safety toolkit. That is that is indeed a How wonderful dare they product. Empower generations of gamers to make better play. <laughs> I want them to talk about turtles. Finally, we have Jason. Please, Jason, you have twenty seconds to introduce, your, to, to introduce yourself. Begin. Yeah, uh, I'm Jason Tachi. You can find my games at jasontocci.itch.io or at pretendogames.itch.io. There's a bunch of games there, but I have a cold and only 20 seconds, so I'm just going to suck on this cough drop instead of talking about myself anymore. Jason, if I could take a bath in your voice, I would. That was, you have have a rich, honey-like bath voice. It's delightful. So this is the panel. We've written many fine things between us. Um, and I would like to start off with something. Let's start off with Gion. So what was your first game? Was it a one-page game? Was it a one-page game? Yes, brilliant. What was your first game? And what convinced you to release it? 
thank you. My first game was a one pager called Pin Feathers, and um, it's basically just one page of text, a simple two part game where you imagine yourself as a, an undefined, unnamed creature in the midst of transformation, and then again. Uh, sometime later after not only have you transformed, but you're you're flying and you're accustomed to flying. You're at the height of your power. Um, I did it as a one-page game for a few reasons. Um, it's easier to remember. I, I tend to get really overwhelmed by uh, lots of instructions, dense instructions, complicated instructions. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy them, but it creates the space where you have to really like almost artificially gathered, not artificially gathered together, but in orchestrated gathering, right? Um, and I wrote this game to be played uh, in transitional time. So when you're commuting on the bus, waiting for your laundry to dry, um, and it's intended to be played over just a few minutes for each part. Um, and I wrote it to try to help people feel uh, connected to nature, even in really landlocked cities. The mechanics involve like looking up at the sky and noticing cloud patterns, um, and also noticing uh, your own physical state of being, whether you're uncomfortable or comfortable. Um, and I think the fact that it was so short and everything was on the tin, so to speak, just like right there, is part of what got it uh, a little bit of attention. It was added to the um, Nebula Award reading list in 2018 for the game design section. And um, uh, it was sort of what started me an independent game design rather than designing for the company I worked at at the time. A lot of your games focus on, uh, they have unusual mechanics, shall we say. Uh, like a lot of a lot of my games, uh, you roll a d10 and add a number, and that's fairly straightforward and everyone understands that. Uh, do you feel, have you encountered any pushback? Has it been a challenge to try and uh, to, to, to try and work with, with, with non-standard mechanics? Or have one-page games given you a, a, a handle on that? Um. I don't know that I've encountered pushback. I've definitely um, started adapting my writing to also include dice mechanic generated games because that's familiar territory for a lot of people. And then I mm. have started introducing more unusual elements as the secondary set of instructions or mm. mechanics. Um, and actually, I, I've learned a lot from your work, Grant, by looking at your templates and kind of like how does this um, feel so streamlined and yet like create so much density and like multiple layers of gameplay potentially. Um, as far as like the games I've written where mechanics are uh, not dice related at all, people seem really receptive actually. Mm. Um, yeah, I haven't really gotten pushback so far. I have gotten like the occasional quizzical question, um, but yeah, people have been very gracious. It's been nice. That's pleasing. Matt, you're, um... I think I think it was your Halloween game involved a spirit board or a Ouija board. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What? Uh, how? How have you? How have you felt that? Um, have Have one page games given you the given you room to experiment with something interesting in that respect? Yeah, um, I mean that went that ended up being all all in all with the additional board that I made for it three pages I think so yeah so yeah you do you do stretch form. the limits of one page yeah. games <laughs> I stretched it I stretched it two or three quite often and it's and you know it's usually when uh you find the concept and you go I just can't find anything to cut mm. but um yeah I think with I mean that that one was that one was a very it was you know it was it was not about rolling dice it was not you know your standard like roll mm. dice add stat mechanic it was much more around giving players these spaces to invent dialogue with a spirit and play put mm. them in put them in a position where they could they could generate all of these odd odd conversations themselves while still feeling like they had a mechanic to work from um i think i feel like a lot of a lot of you know creating these creating these spaces that the little they're little experience engines aren't they that's the idea i mm. kind of go for when i'm making a one pager is go i i want this to be a, a real quick experience for people i want people to be able to dive into this know exactly what their experience is going to be and within mm. three hours have finished the game and have had that experience from start to finish and sort of be able to see it very clearly mm. and like yeah i think there's there's like um you know when when you're making something like a science game people are going in there going i you know i, I want to i want to come out of this feeling as if i've as if i've sat around a table touched a touched a planchette and, and mm. moved around and had that spirit conversation but without uh you know, with something a little bit different. So it was drawing cards and it was rolling dice and it was, you know, those familiar elements which twisted twisted the way mm. people would approach that. 
It's sort of an open question to the panel. Um, and I imagine Jim will win this one. But what is the weirdest thing you've put in a game? What is the weirdest sort of mechanic? The furthest away from I roll the d20. I'll definitely let other people go first. <laughs> I've got one for this. Uh, oh, yeah, we got one of my. 200-word RPG entries uh, that I later expanded into a slightly longer game. It was called Wayfarer's End, and it involved rifling through a uh, vintage cookbook uh, as its resolution mechanic with the uh, you know, the tone of the scene uh, turning on whether you landed on a recipe that you thought you, know, you would cook or one you would never cook in a million years, and that determined whether the scene would end in a homespun or an unsettling way. I just read the tagline. So I had Wayfarer's End open. I tried to buy it, but it's in the Gauntlet collection. I'd read out the tagline. This town's an enigma wrapped in a portent, baked into a damn fine cherry pie. You'll get to the bottom of it if it doesn't get to the bottom of you first. Like, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm super in to anything that schlocky. Um, Jason, Matt, anything? Well, so, Matt, I, I, I think Ouija, Ouija would probably be the... Um, yeah, although if we're if we're talking about sort of if we're dialing it back to even two hundred word RPGs, when I, I mm, used to yeah. I, I used to and still did write quite a lot of RP tweets, um, mm. which was, was trying to get tiny games in, and you know some of them were sort of mini LARPs, and I think um, you know one of them was just take a photo at the start of a night with everyone there, and then take a photo from the same position at the end of a night and try and capture what has changed around the table mm. in that time. And yeah, I, I you know the, yeah that's the, I think that's the the most fun one I've created in that. Mm. Mm. Uh, all right, Jim, what you got? Um, well, uh, a lot of my games involve sensory mechanics. So uh, one involves smelling certain herbs in order to bolster certain moves. Um, cooking is actually something I've used before. Uh, noticing your own physical discomfort is one. But my favorite mechanic is from a game I wrote called Your Dead Friend. The premise is that it's like a Groundhog Day episode where you and a friend are taking a walk and you know your friend is going to die the next day and the day just keeps repeating over and over and over again and you don't know why. But you do know that you can't warn them because every time you try to warn them or stop something happening, the day just immediately starts over. And the way I did that mechanically is there is like a sentence that the two players decide on. When I play tested it, it was, hang on, I think I've got something in my shoe. And then when the dreamer character, the one who's stuck in the time loop, um, tries to warn their friend, the friend says stop. And then you, you know, there's like a, a moment where you face each other, you take three deep breaths together, and then you say the sentence again to signal that the time loop has started over. Mm. And it's a logistical mechanic that has really intense emotional impact in play. Mm. So that's maybe the mechanic that's weird that I'm the proudest of, for sure. Mm. Mm. I think that one-page games give us the opportunity, like, certainly from my experience, uh, I view it as a place that I can put strange ideas, because um, the Rome Rick and Decker, we publish uh, big, beefy, proper, like, 300-page books, but also I have my one-page games. It's a very different uh, brand, I think. And it's really nice to have, have, have the opportunity to be like, here's half an idea about something, let's go, and let, let's let's see what we can explore with it. And uh, I think that if I would get into the the, the habit of, of trying to develop these things out into full games, they would never see the light of day. Um, and I suppose on the subject of that, Jason, I want to I want to I want to knock over to you for a second here. Playtesting one-page games, do you, Jason? Oh, I thought there was more to that sentence. Do I? Play no, 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 no. That's the whole thing. Do you playtest them? <laughs> Yeah, actually, I think maybe oh, okay. the first the first Metatopia. In fact, how many one-page games have I tested at Metatopia already? Two, three so far? Yeah. Hmm. I think my first one was a card game that I playtested at Metatopia called Odd Luck Charms, which um, still needs revisions quite a bit because uh, my Metatopia playtest convinced me, wow, this is a really fun game that doesn't actually work. Um, <laughs> That's over halfway there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Um, yeah, I I figure why not? I, the, the whole reason I'm making all these games is because I feel like playing them. So, mm. actually, that, that, that's another thing to, to talk about as well. So, so like I personally, I tend not to play test play test my games. Um, I'll, I'll keep things very straightforward and very simple. If we're doing a big proper game, then we'll have huge rounds of playtesting on that. Uh, but I'm uh, and Matt also, we both operate in on a monthly schedule. 
um where where we have a patron um and like i like it's not a, a not insignificant percentage of my business and paying other people's wages is supported by that patron and uh matt i'd be interested in learning a little bit about how you how what the experience has been like having to write a game every month even if it, even if no one tries to stop you yeah it's it is it is difficult you know i, I think i last year which so this is the end of my second year of doing mm. it every month wow. uh so yeah next next month's game will be 24th one and Oof. it's it's it has been tough um mm. i'm sure you appreciate that as well like sometimes you get stuck in a point where you're just trying to work out what that game is going to be mm-hmm. and it becomes more and more stressful and you get into this horrible spiral where you're finding things and going ah oh, is it this and you're trying to write something down and other and other times you know i'll end up two months ahead because i've gone i've got a phrase that pun has jumped out of me and i've got the mechanic to go with the pun or uh i've got this mechanic i wonder what i can attach it to and how can i how can i then mm. attach that to a pun so you know vice versa but it, yeah it's it's a it's a grind and mm. you know it I was trying originally to get everything out on the first day of the month for patrons, and that's Oof. slowly oh, moved heavens, back. No. To, yeah, it's slowly moved back and back and back. No, yeah, you want to release it at least a month after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. um, it's, I, I find that an awful lot of games will start from a pun. And that that gets to a point, I think, um, I don't know whether the rest of you experienced this. I think perhaps because I have a certain kind of game that I write, but a lot of people go, hey, Grant, this sounds like a one-page game. And be, there's, a, there's a bear that's been stuffed full of raccoons driving an 18-wheeler into a mall. And they're like, yeah, okay, sure. But it starts from these ridiculous puns, these ridiculous thoughts. And because it because it, it's only like one page and you're, re- you're releasing it often for free, okay. I really like the liberty that affords us. Um, actually, oh, here we are. Um, just on, on the on the questions from Twitter, you were talking about mechanics and uh, concepts. Hides his eyes. Writes in. Do you start with a concept and design? Sorry, start again. Do you start with a concept and design mechanics to fit, or is it the other way around? Alexei, I'm interested in hearing where you stand on this. Oh, uh, that's a fascinating question. I've, I, I. My answer is more that there's there's often just a like a moment of synchronicity, right? Where you know some it becomes clear that some you know mechanical bit or some you know piece of uh, of you know game mechanic uh, that I can steal, right, or uh, or borrow from uh, elsewhere in the gaming world fits with a concept I'm interested in expanding, right? So Secret Science Sewer Siblings, you know, I realized what if what if you had four stats and your stats were teenager, mutant, ninja, and critter? And I'm like, there's something there. Work outwards from that. Um, so I feel like there's usually for me a kind of a touch of mechanics and a touch of, you know, the concept and the flavor kind of at the get-go. And mm. their, um, you know, their coming together is what you know, s- creates the, the ground for the game to come. Hmm. It's often, and like I, I find that the games can expand, uh, from, like from a one-page game. I tend to just sort of write my games and then just throw them as hard as I can at the internet and run away. But your um, your uh, your game, The Great Soul Train Robbery, that started off as a one-page thing as a hack, and now it's adapted into into something more. What was what was it like? To, what was it like to have sort of basically finishing something and then starting it again? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have to give you credit, Grant, because um, Great Soul Train Robbery is a sweetened by honey heist. Mm, you game. invented that term. <laughs> uh, where instead of having the stats bear and criminal, uh, you have the stats lover and sinner, uh, which gives it a very different tone, right? It becomes very much about like the state of the souls of these uh, desperados robbing the train to hell. You know, uh, like there's room for wackiness, but it's also potentially you know a heavier game than your game about bears stealing honey. Um, uh, but it was written, you know, as like a concentrated dose of allegorical like Western weirdness, and then because people responded to that because you know. Uh, uh, playtesting it went so well. I was like, "There's room to, you know, to to make this train longer, right? To uh, to to basically, you know, add in the sort of GM support material that doesn't exist mm. as much when it's a one-page game and the GM facing stuff is just here's some tables of things to put on the train to hell, right? And so, um, yeah, so Great Soul Train Robbery ended up being the project I worked on in a Zine version for Zine Quest this uh, this year. Mm. And I'm getting you know close to uh, to completing and and delivering that. And along the way, it's been 
really exciting, you know, play testing the game and its and its you know expanded content with all sorts of folks. And now this you know this game of desperados that I uh, came up with by like riffing on Hades Town lyrics uh, has kind of become its own thing. There's you know a number of uh, actual plays out there, and I've gotten you know reports from from other people you know running the game uh, and. Uh, always always want to know like what happens to their desperados you know who did the conductor of the train turn out to be uh so if you play great soul train robbery please you know tweet at me at cloven pine games i want to hear what became of your train to hell it is always so exciting to hear people playing your games i always get like 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 occasionally i'll just search for the names of my games on twitter just to see if someone's played honey house i'm like oh it's, it's really, it's if i need a little lift but it is it's a. Uh, I think that's one of the one of the biggest things for me as well. Writing one page role playing games just meant that I could get very broad spectrum with it, and meant that I could very like so the odds of anyone playing is I'm throwing enough spaghetti at the wall and some of it's sticking. Um, but but uh, in the in the opening stages, oh, we put, I, was, I was about to ask you a question actually, but go. What you got? Uh, I would I would love to actually talk a little bit about this. Do you start with concept first because that's oh please. All in- yeah, yeah. Right. I I've never started with making first. Mm. I've always started with concept posts. So many people in the Twitch chat, which I've got open right now, are saying like shit posts are a gold mine of wait, can I swear? Is that okay? Okay, cool. So shit posts are like like a gold mine for uh, content, but that's like not really a joke, right? Like um, I was looking at my itch.io store analytics the mm. other day, and the most independently popular game, like one that I've done very little marketing or promotion for, but like mm. has been almost as much as my next most popular game is Have I Been Good, which is uh, the game where you're a magician and your dog wants to talk to you. And the mechanic is like you spend a, a really big, like, wonderful day with your dog and then you write letters to each other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's based on this Tumblr post that went viral uh, that's what? about how to dogs, people are like elves and mm. Tolkien. And like we're like ageless and youthful forever. And it it's like a very, it got me like very emotional because I'm like, oh my God, we have to be so good to these animals. They don't live that long. Um, and, and a lot of people responded to that game completely independently who mm. aren't in games at all. Um, mm. And uh, that was really cool. And again, it was from a Tumblr post. Like mm. inspiration can come from lots of places. So don't don't put turn your nose up at it for sure i i really yeah i i i follow several tumblr text threads on twitter i'm not actually going to go to tumblr i don't know how to do it i figure i'd get lost and like you'd find me dead three weeks from now but i i love the i love the um yeah the shit post level of it the fact that like everyone's everyone's collaborating on this weird sort of language which is growing up and bubbling and also the shared jokes the internet is wonderful it's a great thing um but on the subject of marketing, actually, there's something quite there's something which I'd like to get here. Uh, Luke um, has written in uh, Beardy Noise on Twitter. He says, "What makes a compelling one-page concept?" And this is something which I've really struggled with over the over the years of doing it. Um, Jason, we haven't heard much from you yet. What do you reckon makes a um, an interesting concept for a one-page game? Uh, I just, just, <laughs> just just make soft, warm noises. That's fine. Um, that's uh, honestly. Um, I have no idea, but I can tell you <laughs> that um, that my one-page games have been generally better received than my longer ones. So I think hmm. if you keep it short, you're you're already halfway there. Um, Twenty-four hundred has been my my best-received game of, hmm. of all my games, and it's more like a series of one-pagers than than any one one-pager. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that um, um. I, I feel like you, you you get you get a lot of mileage out of um, just a, a simple pitch and um, a, some kind of image that people can latch onto um, even before they they get to what the concept is. Like a lot of people, like I, I just decided one day, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna make this thing. I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna name it after my old modem and slap on the tagline uh, lo-fi sci-fi. And people like you know people have like six different ideas about like what does that mean? And it's just like. Mm. I, I, it rhymed. I yeah, really yeah, the author, mate, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really liked how it rhymed and it kind of reminded me about old science fiction and, and how, and did I mention my modem? So, <laughs> um, I, I, I think that just getting something in there that, um, mm. raises questions, um, is, is a, a good way to go. I really thought that, like, uh, 
the aforementioned kind of unfinished broken game, Odd Luck Charms would be like a really winning concept because the concept behind that one I liked so much, which is basically uh, if you've ever seen The Lost Room, uh, a bunch of of weird people trying to collect a bunch of seemingly mundane objects um, that have bizarre powers like a briefcase that opens to reveal a fresh plate of pasta every time. Like, that's Hey, fresh That's pasta. That's a D20 modern campaign right there. <laughs> Just different um, kinds of pasta in the briefcase and the different sects <laughs> trying to provide different sources. You'd think. Uh, <laughs> can I take a crack at this one? Please. Absolutely. I think part of it, in my experience, is that uh, you want to have a um, you want to have a problem that needs solving right there in the uh, in the one pager, right? You know, like a, a one page game mm. doesn't have the luxury of saying you know, uh, uh, there's a separate, you know, GM's guide for creating the adventure. No, I think, I think, you know, the, the part of the concept of the one pager has to be, what are the characters doing? What is the, what is the challenge here? Um, mm. So great soul train robbery, you're robbing the train to hell. You, you, there could, there's all sorts of weird Western shenanigans you could get up, get up to in the world. But uh, for this game, it's a game about this, you know, infernal train heist. And for secret science, serious siblings, your mentor has been kidnapped and you need to get them back. Right. Like mm. you could play lots of games about teenage mutant ninja critters, but I just decided, no, uh, the, the start of every game of secret science, sewer siblings is your mentor is gone. And I think that, gives people who are running and playing the game a great hook to to just start mm. playing, right? To just hit the ground running. And I think that's a important part of one page design, at least for me. I think that's a really good point and, and probably speaks to some extent about how many lasers and feelings hacks there are out there. Mm. Um, I mean, they're all based on, you know, like, oh, your, your Captain Darcy is gone or your mentor Darcy is gone or your old flame Darcy is gone. You know, um, it's... It's it, it, it's you know where to start. You know what you're doing when you pick it up. Not that you can't do other things with it too, right? Mm. But it gives you an immediate thing to latch onto. It's a really good point. Exactly. Yeah, I think that idea is 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 um, like as well as well as giving that initial scenario for people to latch onto. Um, people, I've found people respond incredibly well when you know you're pastiching something, and they can clearly mm. see what you're pastiching, and they know mm. that it's a it's an IP that they want to play. Or and you know I've I've I think I've done best with a lot of my games and some people go <laughs> so mind blowing it kicked him off the internet. <laughs> that timing is perfect. That's amazing. It's closing itself. Oh, is... wow. uh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yes. Yeah, sorry. What were they saying, man? Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's but as soon as you know, pe- like having having that scenario is fantastic. And what people are missing in one page games a lot of the time is that they're Missing all of those extra things, like you've said, and as mm. soon as they know that, as soon as they know what genre they're fitting into, as soon as they know if it's a specific episode of a TV show they're fitting into mm. or an entire film they're fitting into, then it's much easier for that GM who's got all that work on them anyway, the one pager, to pick up and run. Or if it's GMless, like even better because everyone knows mm. and they can pick up that slack for each other. That's, that's an interesting point you raised there about the GM. One thing which I didn't realize until I was about, I'm gonna say about eighteen months into writing one page role playing games, is they're really hard to run. It doesn't matter how straightforward you make them. I find that they're really hard to run compared to like a three hundred a three hundred page uh, book of rules because so much of the mechanics is handled in that three hundred page book of rules. And then with it, if there's the fewer rules you have, I find the more um, agency and choices you're giving to the games master, and then that just takes up more and more of their processing power. Just like like games that basically I don't run games for more than two hours these days. I mean I'm old. I'm older, certainly. I wouldn't be younger. I'm older than I was, and I find that about two hours, that's about as much as I want to sustain something. Um, is that, is that John, you've unmuted this. Is that, is that something you're interested in commenting on? Yeah, I've been muting a lot because I just drank bubbly water and I'm, I'm burping. But also... Um... <laughs> well, thank <laughs> yeah, you very actually, much. Could... Very polite. Yeah, yeah. This. Um, uh, sorry if that's gross, guys. Uh, but fine. I actually haven't found mechanics to be that much of a challenge but i think it's because i i use one page games almost solely to focus on um solo games or two player mm, games and mm. because it's sort of unusual to begin with and with yeah. solo games play test i play test it myself right mm. um and with two player games it's also kind of easy to play test you just need to find one other person to to be like hey like can you spare 20 minutes out of a day which is like mm. a much smaller ask than 
us four hours on a Sunday afternoon or whatever. Um, For the rest of the year, yeah. I, right, but um, I am designing a couple one page, well, like one to two page, like group games. And, and I have noticed that, right? Like you run into mm. certain mechanical hurdles that you don't when it's a more intimate small space. Um, and I think actually that's something to keep in mind with the design of one one page games. When you have so little space to communicate information, you have to be mm. really ruthless, like just merciless about what needs to stay on that page and what doesn't. What do you um, think is the most effective way then of communicating, say, uh, I suppose like setting? Yeah, setting works because a lot of your games don't use setting in the way that like my games use setting. But what do you, what, yeah. what do you reckon is the most effective way of using that space in terms of getting that across? Um, uh, a few things. One, like, don't be afraid to tell your players exactly what they're looking at. Um, mm -hmm. I have a one page weird game called Now You Lay Dying, which is about um, the player. It's a solo game where you write a letter. And the backstory is you abandoned your girlfriend at a camping site, mm -hmm. like years and years ago. And now in some slightly creepy, unexplained way, she's getting her revenge and you're dying. And so the last thing you do is you write a letter to her. Um, that's a very specific, weird story. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where one page games really thrive. You're not trying to create like this huge sprawling world. Mm. You're like, there's one specific slice, but within that there can be a lot of depth and a lot mm. of like expansiveness. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think like, don't be afraid to, to just like really lay out the, like what you're literally seeing both as the mm. designer and the player. Do you mind if I ask you something, John? Is that right? Um, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, so um, obviously your your games are like you know I I do really silly stuff a lot of the time and occasionally go into something a bit darker or something really sad, but you know your yours are you know they're they're educational, they're experiences, they're spiritual, they're incredibly emotional. How do you handle that experience for a player when all they've got is a one page sheet in front of them? How do you sort of how do you curate that experience for them in a way that's that's either safe or just sort of um, like easier to understand for them? Mm. That's a really good question. And I'm so glad you asked that because someone actually said in the chat, um, I don't think you can put safety mechanics in one page games. And I actually really disagree. Um, I think it's it's crucial to have safety in games, even if it's just one or two sentences of like, make sure you're playing this game with people you have good communication with or something like you're always more important than the game. If it doesn't feel good, stop and talk. Like it doesn't have to be a formalized systems of, system of rules. In fact, sometimes I find that when safety mechanics are over formalized, it intimidates people, they're less liable to use them. And mm -hmm. um, it, it just gets waterlogged. Like it, all you have to say is like, hey, hey hang on, right? Like if you're at a table of friends um, and uh, there's, there's like, also ways that if you're doing it digitally, you can link to other people's guides, right? Um, or uh, mm. or to references that other people have written. So I think uh, basically trusting your player um, mm. to have good judgment and common sense, but also saying in the game, please use good judgment and common sense. Just like <laughs> remind yeah. them that they're really capable of handling it on their own. If something happens, you're not in the room with them. Like this came up in a different mm -hmm. panel I was on. As a designer, you cannot take on the responsibility of being in every game room where your game might ever be played till the end of time, right? Like mm -hmm. there's due mm -hmm. diligence that we have to do. And there's also due diligence on the part of the player. Um, I don't think that it's something that can be guaranteed in the rules. And in fact, I think the, the mindset where you think just having safety mechanics in a certain way means it'll always be a safe experience. That's like danger zone for me, because that's when people actually let their guard down a little bit and, um, and aren't as careful. Yeah, if I can follow up on that. Um, I feel like uh, when I was, I knew that I wanted other people to be able to make one page games or two sides of a single piece of letter sized paper. We'll call it one page. Let's be generous. Um, no one page. Thanks. We'll um, round down. I knew that I, when I was making 2400, I wanted to make it easy for other people to make content for it. So I went and I made an SRD, which is still just one page, and worked along the way before making that SRD to make sure can I fit in at least like a sentence about every safety tool, if you want to call it that, that I want to make sure it gets on there. What other rules do I not need in the rules column? And I want to make sure that they're in the rules column because I forget who it was. It was probably um, 
uh, Bree, Bo, Sheldon saying like, remember, these are rules. Like when you put it at like the rules level and not just like principles or whatever, although I stuck it in principles in another document, I'm sorry. Um, but these, it, when you present it as like, this is part of the rules of the game, this is how you play, then that gives it some weight in terms of telling people like, hey, the rule is that if somebody needs to stop the scene earlier, go back and edit a scene, they can do that. They, they want to skip ahead. Otherwise, everything else in this game is indicating to you like this is a fairly traditional GM'd game, but like it's it's okay to have a rule in there that says, oh, before you start playing, check with everybody and make sure if there's anything that they want to make sure only ever happens off screen or not at all. Like that's a sentence. You can do that in a one page game. It's it doesn't take up that much space. On the subject of Brebo Sheldon. He wrote in to the to the show, I suppose, with a question. Yeah, yeah, he had quite a few questions. The one I'm interested in, in coming here uh, is: is he asked, what do you find the simplest part of playing of, of writing one page role playing games? And I think I think for me, it's the paragraph at the start which says "you," and then it explains the um the, what the game is. That's because I only really write one game and I change what the characters are. But I'm interested to th- like like what. Like I, I think, like we're all fairly established as designers in this medium uh, uh, at present. What do you feel like? Let's. What's the what's the what's the most comfortable thing about a one-page game? What's the what's the what's the most straightforward part? Tables. Mm, table tables. Mm. I I just I love the compactness of a table, right? You know, where it's like you roll 3d6 and you know mad libbed up some mm. interesting obstacle for characters and that's that's a go-to for me uh, and you know a great way to just brainstorm a game also because you know uh if i'm out and about and just like jotting down things of interest into a notes app you know when i sit down at a computer turn that into table i'm like all right there we go that's uh an eighth of the page all set and you know chock a chock a block full of content that's uh should be gameable I think the only thing better than a table is two tables that go together. It is <laughs> I I I work I think I definitely work harder on my tables than I do on my on my rules. Uh, and that is that well no yeah that's fair because uh and like I'm, I'm interested that you said that they, they were the easiest part for you because something which not that I struggle with but I really try to get them right. You've got to make it so they gel so they mash together and then so like these 2d6 tables can produce 36 different things together and they're all interesting and they're all pushing something out there and i find that it's very easy to write a bad table and it's really hard to actually power them up together as well um they reward that effort absolutely oh yeah yeah yeah, absolutely and you can get you can get away with not writing rules i found if you can put in a convincing enough table and just like 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 john was saying just tell the player to do the thing you can you can get away with that Matt, how do you find tables? You fan? I I love a table. I find them excruciating as part of the. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there just. I'll I'll end up writing about ten times as many things as I need to go into a table, <sighs> and I will sit there going, ah, oh, but which is better? Is it is it better to be blue cheese or is it better to be macaroni or like whatever you know? Like which which is funnier, kangaroo or donkey? Like and and you're just yeah, tearing down those ridiculous. Save it for the games, Matt. Okay, you've got a patron. I know, to... I know, I know. But yeah, it's it. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a painful experience. Mm. I find. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. It, it completely it completely makes or breaks a game, especially when a lot of the criticism I tend to see around one page games is when people go. Um, you know, they 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 want to get as much out of it as possible, and they're expecting so much from just this tiny space mm. that you know those mm. those those brilliant those tiny little tables, like you say, when they when you get so many thirty six possibilities or even mm-hmm. more than that, and they create all these different combinations, and they and they're those jumping off points for either a GM or a player or for the group to create a scenario from. Mm. That's where all the game is suddenly held. It's within that, that mm. you know that tiny. 12 squares or something like that yeah it's it's interesting to work in terms of setting potential i found so I, i'm at the present i am shamefully not finished my 25 different tables i'm writing for december doing releasing what a day is an adventure calendar and it is oh my oh, my, my original point's gone entirely from my head I, <laughs> I started plugging my own shit and now it's completely gone <laughs> oh no uh, what's the challenge? That's gone. Sorry, did you, did you have something you wanted to say? 
Yeah, I mean, um, when you're saying like, what's the simplest part of it? Um, for me, it's also mm. one of my favorite parts. I love doing the visual layout of a one-page game. Ah, um, yes. I love it. In fact, if it's if it's 10 pages or under, I love doing layout. I discovered that if it's over 10 pages, it's really hard for me because I don't have the software for it. I do everything in Canva. Ah, okay. Um, Canva, in yes. Canva. Yeah, lovely program. Canva makes it really easy because I can approach it almost the way that I used to approach illustration when I did illustration mm. work. It's all about just like figuring out the composition and also conveying information in that composition, right? So like, for now you lay dying. Um, I use the canvas like tr um, like brochure section because I I imagined it like one day maybe I could print it out and laminate it so you could actually mm. take it out in like, a creepy place in the woods and write your your characters dying under by and leave it there for someone else to find. Yeah, well I don't know about that, but <laughs> that might create some weird police times. But um, the I'd say it's a game, I suppose. But yeah, I get, yeah. But I, um, what was interesting was the text of the game went through like five iterations and it didn't take long, like all told, I think start to finish that game took like an hour. Um, mm. But the, the layout was the part where I was like, how do I explain everything? Cause I think there's only one or two tables in there, but how mm. does the table or the, the layout actually contribute to the experience of reading through and looking at this game? Um, and visual layout now that I have browser-based software because my laptop's too old to host uh, like InDesign or something. Um, like the OS is literally too old to, to do any kind of update now. Um, I have to use only browser-based layout stuff, mm. which means everything has to be kind of compact. Um, and there's a lot of creativity in that, right? Mm. It's like writing a software, right? There's so many constraints and restrictions, but within that you mm. have like complete freedom. Um, and for me, creative constraints like tend to spur ideas rather than yeah. uh, muffle them. I'd, I'd just like to briefly uh, ask uh, the whole panel as well, because uh, John recommended Canva. Are there any programs or methodologies, just like real quick things you'd like to recommend? I, for example, only work in Google Docs. I do absolutely everything in Google Docs the entire, if if someone submits work to me, it has to be in Google Docs. So my, me and my co-author, Chris, can comment on it and, and, and update it and access it from anywhere. But are there any sort of programs or workflow things or just organization, anything you'd like to recommend to people who are interested in, in getting into the game? Um. I think it's okay really quickly. Uh, work, in, work on paper, actually, first. Mm. Like, lay it out on paper. Work analog. Mm. Like, I, I have uh, ADHD, so actually working analog first is, I have to often. Mm. Um, but also, I think the process of doing so actually forces you to look at a single page and be like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Versus mm. putting it digitally, you're like, you just cram more shit in there. But then, like, if you're a player looking at it, it's, it's dense and, and actually becomes kind of complicated sometimes. So, mm. yeah, try it on paper first. Definitely. And um, I, I I would recommend trying it on a really big bit of paper first. Uh, I really like doing A3. I don't know what that is in American. Grande? Venti? I don't know. The big, <laughs> big bits of paper, um, which you can, you can get a Sharpie. Like, um, back when I was, I used to, I used to run D&D, and my goal was that every adventure had to fit on a single A4 piece of paper with felt-tip pens. And there's something, as John was saying, really interesting and creative and fulfilling like, well, okay, we don't need to write this down. We don't need to put every single thing down and you can you can fill in the gaps. Um, Jason, did you have something you want to recommend? Yeah, I used to be a diehard Adobe Creative Suite user and then I started charging monthly fees for it and, and making it good enough that I couldn't run it on my laptop anymore. So um, I ended up buying the Affinity Suite. That's a Affinity Photo, Affinity Designer, Affinity Publisher. Um, and now I do all my games. I'm one of those heretics who writes directly into Affinity Publisher. And like, you, I know, I'm wild. No, no, there's, no there's, I'm, I'm in, intensely <laughs> jealous of, 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 people, of, of people who write directly into the layout. I fuck because yeah, I I have to sort of I have to write it down and then sort of hit it with 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 crowbars and screwdrivers and to sort of get it to fit into the right shape or send it off to a professional. I hear I hear like Quest was written directly into the book and there's that there's a level of like there's something almost poetic about that that I feel intensely jealous of. There's a kind of meditative act, like when we were talking before about what the easiest part is. I think my answer mm. is whatever part I'm not supposed to be working on. So it's, <laughs> so it's like if I feel like the writing's not done, then all of a sudden it's just like, hey, I'm in here anyway. I might as well do some graphic design, and then that's sort of how I just kind of keep things moving. Um, yeah. But um, I will say too that. Um, th uh, 
you can really do quite a bit for like a one-page game in Google Sheets. Mm. Um, I tried making the template for for a 24xx SRD in um, in Google Docs, and it was just like, eh, that's all right, I guess. But then somebody was just like, oh yeah, I, I went and I did it in Google Sheets, and it works much better. And it really does. You can do a lot in terms of layout, color, size, shape, nice. stuff like that. It's really nice. Yeah. All right. I'll second the recommendation for Affinity and say, you know, as um, someone teaching myself a lot of this, there's good uh, tutorials online for you know learning to use Affinity. So I, I recommend the software and I recommend you know drawing from the knowledge that people have put out there on the internet to help folks make the best use of it. One of the questions which John copied over from Twitter is uh, how is how important is visual presentation when you have so little space to deliver instructions? And similarly, uh, I've had another another chap ask a question. Uh, uh, Joel Salder writes in: Given that you only have a page to fill, what are some ways that you use art, graphics, and negative space to full effect? What I I think um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pa pass over to Matt initially here in terms of design, in terms of um, reaching things you and i both work in a very open way in that we post our games in full to twitter what and i found that a game will not do well unless it looks good on preview what challenges have you found from this medium given given that like we we have to use layout and a lot of us aren't really trained on it yeah i mean i i uh i do everything in word you know i mm. I, I design it all in word i uh but, and a big part of that was um, accessibility for me as well, because what you create at the end of it ends up being a bit more screen reader friendly and then mm. you know, fix stuff on a web page so that it's got a, a text version as well. But yeah, it's it is it is that weird thing where you've got to try and you've got to try and make it as as instantly recognizable as fun mm. from a distance. Or, or at Which, least, I suppose, engaging or interesting. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I guess, yeah, engaging, interesting. You know, you look at, I guess, you look at Honey Heist is a great example mm. where you know, it's it's got nice pictures of bears on it. Is People this a bear like, in a oh, hat? I want to get close yeah. to that. Yeah, I want to look at um, bears in hats. Yeah, and you know, the small, like the smallest of games which I've written, like Clumsy Heroic, Adorable, Anticapitalist, Penguins versus Business Kids, Ivory Tower, and uh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, super normal and fine familiars. Where uh, you know, I've got, I got my, I got a friend of mine to do some like super cute artwork for it, where the mm. artwork's interacting with the text and it looks like everyone's falling off the text and going somewhere else. Like those from that distance are so visually striking. People go, I want to be the cute animal that's falling off the how to play section, and I'm going to click on that game, and that it doesn't matter. I'm sold from that point. Mm. Yeah. So it, it is a it is a challenge to try and do it, but the the, the less text you have. And the more art you have, I think the easier it is when you're in that weird Twitter medium. Mm. Gian, talk to us about layout. Um, I, I mean, I, I have such a weird, inconsistent process. But if you're looking to make stuff look good on Twitter specifically, uh, Canva and maybe Affinity as well, which I've also heard great things for, and my laptop is also too old to host, um, has a function where you can... Um, uh, just make like an immediately have a template for like, this is a Twitter photo, right? Or oh, like a Twitter preview. That's good. Like, yeah, Canva does it. Like there's a whole social media section where it's like, are you making an Instagram post, a Facebook post, a Twitter mm. post? And it'll actually crop, like give you a cropped uh, blank template to work from. That's the exact pixel dimensions that you need for a mm. Twitter preview. And what I'll do is I'll often make the game and then be like, what is the most visually appealing part of this game? And then make a new image that's just mm. the Twitter preview. Um, mm. And uh, it, it streamlines it really well. Um, I almost mm. hesitate to recommend it because if Canva ever goes down, like I'm fucked. But uh, <laughs> while, <laughs> while it's still here, um, it works very well. I would like to briefly um, uh, poke my nose and, and recommend cutting things out with a scalpel and gluing them to bits of paper. Uh, it does require you own a scanner, uh, which I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to do um, if you're under the age of 33. Thankfully, I'm 34, so that's fine. Um, but I guess you'd have to go and visit your municipal scanner the same way you have to go and visit the the, the, the neighborhood bakery and use their printer if you need if you need a driving license, whatever. Uh, Jason, you've got you've got really visually striking games. I I, I always always find they're really um, like they, they they grab the attention. Uh, what advice can you give to people who are looking to lay out their first one page game or maybe their fiftieth? Uh, 
I'll just start all of my answers with, uh, um, you know, it's funny because my, my first couple one page games, my first few, um, I was just trying to fit as much text on the page as I could. And so I just stuck on a, a, a wee little image here or there just to, to give it a little something. Um, and I took a really different approach with the 2400 series of mm. devoting a full quarter of my page space to like a cover. Um, so it ends up being like a piece of paper you fold in half and here you get the whole front cover. And um, mm. I think it has made a huge difference in people's interest in picking it up. It ended up, I haven't even really been going out of my way to promote it. And it's already made almost mm. twice as much in revenue as the, the, the either game that I have after it. Um, I just think that um, it, it makes it, and I'm using, you know, Creative Commons licensed, really, mm. really nice art that anybody could be using. Um, but um, just, just that, that, that as an option, I feel like is, is I, so the question was, what advice would I give for people? Yeah. I would say, if you see something really exciting that makes you want to make a game around it, go for it. Like mm. we were talking before about, uh, you know, do you start with a concept or, or a mechanic? And for I'm a, a lot like Alexia, I'll see a concept that fits with a mechanic I've wanted to try or something like that. And um, this, this particular series came out of, um, oh my gosh, I'd really love to do something really cool with this art that I found. And then somebody referred me to other art. Um, and, and then, uh, and, and I really wanted to do something super, super simple with rules. Let's slap these together and see just how many games I can make out of them so far. So like, I don't know, almost 10. We'll see. We'll see how far I go. <laughs> it's we are nice. coming up on 10 minutes before the end of the show. So uh, what I'd like to do now is, um, one of our, one of our moderators, uh, Melissa, is it? Hello, Melissa. Do you do you have any any fun questions from the uh, from the chat, uh, which we can answer? And if there aren't any fun questions, just pretend that there aren't. I don't know. Uh, just... Yeah, there are quite a few questions. Brilliant. Um, well, once Matt uh, gets back in, yeah, we can ask. Uh, them. <laughs> so uh, I'm scrolling up as people have been asking questions all along. And, okay. Uh, um. So the first one that I am seeing um, uh, by uh, DRC Punk is, is there anything that doesn't work as a concept for a one-page game? Uh, Lexi, can you, can you take a stab at that one? Uh, sure. Uh, I think not necessarily. Um, you know, just be aware that a one-page game is going to be a, a different sort of animal. Right, and if if you feel like your concept uh, is a big, big concept, you might need to find like the like boiled down core of it, right? Like the the kernel of it that you want to turn into the one pager. Mm. But uh, like we discussed, that one pager could be the seed for something bigger. So, you know, even a big concept might have a a one page version, and then and then a bigger version. You know, at some point, if the one pager catches fire, right? If uh, if, if it catches fire. It can be hugely beneficial to have to have something which you can give to people and playtest with people, and a thing which you can wrap your head around and then start adding bits on and then start adapting it, rather than just this huge nebulous floating mess of bollocks. Yeah, yeah, and it, sometimes it can be helpful, right? Because the one pager forces you not to take a kitchen sink approach; it forces mm. you to decide like what is the you know the core cool thing that this game or that this setting is doing. Mm. Next question. All right, Embry Irving asks, what are a few of your favorite ways to simplify instructions or the first thing you simplify when designing? Matthew. Uh, trying to explain when to roll, I think is like, it's super important in one page games. Like, you know, mm. you're trying to, if, whether it's if, uh, if something is at stake or when you attempt to X, and you know, just simplifying that into one sentence, I find is like the the real key in in most of the tiny games I do. I think it was the phrase "when you act and the outcome is in doubt," which I picked yeah. up on my first game and have not really changed it. But yeah. it's I, I think I like, stole that from you. I like, yeah, I, I like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty yeah. sure I stole it from uh, D. Vincent Baker. Like most, I think yeah, most yeah. everyone stole most things from D. Vincent Baker. <laughs> the um, like the role playing equivalent of those big Norse giants who died and made the world. <laughs> but he's not dead ice anyway um excellent next question oh wait no that's the same point uh i i enjoyed i got away with this because it's kind of a you know a humorous game right but for um secret science sewer siblings i said roll the dice when things get dicey and i i enjoy that fine fine yeah you've, you've got that's watertight no one can argue past that <laughs> next question 
Kevin Culp asks, what's the average amount of time it takes you to write a game once you have the concept and how long to lay it out? Hey, Kevin. Glad to have you on board. Gian. Uh, I'm the worst person to ask this very so widely. Um, I've Very well. Jason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Range for me is half an hour to like three months. So like, please mm -hmm. ask. Yes, okay. Sir. All yeah. right. Jason. Generally for me, a week or two in uh, of, of spare time after my kid falls asleep, basically. <laughs> Fair enough. I've I found it's about about two days work, maybe two and a half, and that's not just sitting down full time, but like oh, I'm going to go out for a walk, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee, I'm going to sit in the garden and stare at the cat for a while, and it's all it all sort of counts, but it's about two and a half days over the course of you know three weeks or what have you, just sort of tipping in. It goes a lot faster if you have a template to work off of. Mm. Can I add something to that, Grant? Absolutely, please. Um, I, I just want to add a, a caution of like, even though it might take not that much time to make these games, a lot of forethought and expertise and experience mm. goes into them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just, don't run into that Picasso problem where you think that, um, where other people think that because it doesn't take that much time, they don't uh, count for as much or aren't as mm. valuable. Like I, yeah. I charge full for my one page games or mm. make them Patreon exclusive a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and, and what I mean by the Picasso thing is, um, you know, that story about he, a woman ran into him and asked for a piece of art. He drew on a napkin and asked for $50,000 mm. and she was mm. outraged. Was like, well, that's 50 years of work that went into yeah. that drawing. So similarly, like it might take two days for you to think of like concept oh, execution. Yeah. yeah. Like so much going on and like behind that too. So yeah. like, don't, want to tell everyone who might be watching like don't be down on yourself if it takes you longer because a lot of it is just like building up and accumulating experience yeah. and momentum yeah absolutely i think that that's 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 really fair um you... my, uh, my wife has requested that i share this um uh when she was pregnant with our daughter uh she took a nap and when she woke up i had written the first draft of great soul train robbery uh she was surprised um and that nap was three months long <laughs> Uh, there was more drafting after that, but the, the game went from concept to like a prototype during that nap because you know there was a bolt of inspiration there. Wonderful. All right, I think I'm going to start wrapping things up. I'm going to give you all about 45 seconds this time to. Well, we'll go around. I'll I'll, I'll try and keep it tight. Let's. Uh, we'll start with Gion. Tell us where people can find you, uh, what they should download, and a one-page game they should look at. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, the easiest place to find me is on my Twitter. I am very active there. Uh, it's just uh, the handle is my name, Gian Shim. Um, also, if you're looking to access like all of my games, my Patreon is the only place where that is possible. And again, Patreon, my it's just my name. Um, as for where you can find me, um, uh, in terms of projects, there's an upcoming one I'm doing with my friend. Shinyin Kor, who's an amazing artist and writer and designer and like you name it, um, graphic designer. And it's going to be called Field Guide to Memory. It's a journaling game about cryptids. Um, and that's going to be uh, heavily marketed on my Twitter and elsewhere starting like in a, in a week or two. So that's an easy place to find me. And for what to download now, um, I'd say either subscribe to my Patreon. Um, you can get access to any game for $5 and small games for $1. And um, on my itch.io store, uh, go for Solitaire. It's a collection of five small games um, that I think uh, exemplifies my work. Alexi. Hey, so you can follow me uh, everywhere on the internet under the handle Cloven Pine Games. So definitely check out Cloven Pine Games on Twitter and on itch.io and subscribe to my Substack because uh, every month I'm sending out you know, thoughts on game design and running and playing these games. Uh, a one-page game of mine I'll especially recommend is one I've mentioned a couple times, and that's Secret Science Sewer Siblings, which is designed very much to help people get into the hobby. So, you know, uh, you're playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Critters, rescuing your mentor, and it's meant as an on-ramp for new role players. Delightful. Jason. Hello. You can find me at uh, Jason Tachi. That's T-O-C-C-I dot H dot I-O. I would recommend checking out, we're doing a 24XX jam based on the 2400 one-pagers. 
uh, going on right now for the rest of the month. And in terms of um, downloading a one-page game, you know, if you go to that itch address, you'll find a bunch of um, a bunch of free ones. But I'll recommend somebody else's, which is um, go check out UFO Press. Has a ton of cool oh, yeah. one-page games. I'm especially yeah. fond of Ill-Gotten Realms, which is like a D and D heist one-pager. Like um, the one where you all play different parts of the same skeleton. Yeah, there's, there's some colons in there. Um, that'll be my recommendation. Great, hey, Matt. Matt, you've got uh, thirty seconds. Go. Okay, you can find me anywhere uh, as <laughs> U-R-S-I-D-I-C-E. Just look for this Friendly Bear logo. Um, I'm Patreon. I do monthly games. You can get early access there. Um, itch, Drive for RPG, all sorts of places like that. Uh, my own website, sdice.com. And this month's game is not a ripoff of The Matrix called The Grid. My name is Grant Howitt. I'm going to take these last five seconds to thank all of my guests, uh, Lexi Sargent, John Shim, Matt Jones uh, and Jason Tocci. It was Matt Jones, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, if, if, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at GS Howitt. Uh, you can find my... Just search GS Howitt. The, the two, two Ts, you can find me anywhere uh, under those uh, under those letters. Thank you so much for, for coming to our show. I hope you learned something. I hope we... Or at least we entertained you. Uh, and enjoy the rest of Mashtopia. <laughs>